0: Hey, listener! You're listening to the Stump Mike podcast on ESPN Cricket Info. I am Shreya Tripathi, and uh, in case you're joining us as a talking T20 or a talking World Cup subscriber, hey there again! We've got a brand new name, but not much has changed with the podcast. As you'd have guessed, Stump Mike will go beyond talking just T20 and delve deeper into issues from around the cricketing world with our best insiders and experts. Onwards then to this episode. Back in March 2019, at the end of a close IPL game, Lasset Malinga bowled the final ball to Royal Challengers Bangalore's Shivam Dube, with the batting side needing seven runs to win. A six would have got them a tie. Dube could manage just a single, but that's where it starts getting tricky. Within seconds, the big screen of the ground showed that the bowler had overstepped and it would have been a no-ball. The batsman would have been facing the free hit? A.B. De Villiers. Naturally, there was much outrage, with RCB captain Virat Kohli saying that the umpire was more like club cricket level. It was a story of what could have been. There was technology to prove there had been an obvious mistake, a game-changing one potentially. The TV crew had spotted it, maybe the third umpire could have too, but he had no powers to overrule an obvious error. Two months later, a nuanced technicality relating to the overthrow law meant Ben Stokes in England might have been awarded an extra run that won them the World Cup. The umpire admitted that there had been an error, but he had no regrets at all. And less than 10 days ago, Stokes was at the centre of it all once again. Having played one of Test cricket's greatest innings in its long, illustrious history, Stokes was trapped in front with just two runs left to chase down. His wicket would have meant Australia won the Ashes, but the umpire didn't think he was out. And Australia had no reviews left in the bank, Stokes went on to get those runs and England had another famous win. On all three occasions, the umpire in the middle of the firing line belonged to the 12 best in the world, part of the ICC's elite panel. And two of those times, with technology available at the ready, the wrong decision was made. Plenty more to discuss in the company of Nagaraj Kolapuri, our news editor, who probably knows the ICC and umpiring protocols as well as you know the back of your hand. Hello Naga, welcome on Stump Mike.
1: Hello, Srinath. Uh I don't know the ICC as well as you claim I know. And forget DRS, I don't know at all <laughs> anything about DRS. <laughs> but I've followed it quite uh, closely, as all of us have, and still I don't know where I stand on it. Um, mm. But yeah, go on. Who, wh- what are we talking about today?
0: We are going to be talking about... Uh the DRS, umpiring protocols, and whether there's scope for technology to play a greater role in the game. It's a heated debate. I'm also in the company of somebody who triggers a lot of these heated debates on Twitter. Our own uh, stats analyst and somebody who loves bringing up tricky issues and scenarios from the world of cricket. the Raman, welcome back.
2: Hi Srinath, good to be back uh, in the podcast and while I was away for a month, it looks like uh, you've changed the name of the podcast, so uh, hoping for better things now.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is a brand new start. And uh, we are now on stump mic. Straight away, Naga, first things first. Are we being unnecessarily and unfairly harsh on umpires given all the pressure they're under? Should we all live with these errors?
1: Yeah, I I, I guess so. As you said in your intro, the thing is that these incidents have happened one after the other. And in high-profile series, first it was the World Cup, before that it was the IPL, now and the latest one being the Ashes. So obviously these Mistakes or erroneous decisions have been amplified, especially on social media uh, so the empires have caught the sticks in in some ways just it's just, but in many other ways, you need to kind of understand the various elements at play, and uh, you kind of have to sort of give them cut a little slack for the empires
0: Gaurav, are you as kind? To the umpires as naga is because we're living in 2019 forget the outrage forget all the reaction on social media and whatnot you've got the technology to make the right decision you've got the means and it's not like it's taking ages for these things to show up the tv screen and the giant screens to the grounds are pretty much reacting to these mistakes instantly like in the case of the no ball earlier the drs decisions don't take as long to come up as they used to are you as kind to the umpires
2: before we actually questioned the umpires, So you, we, we did see how India took a long time to get uh, uh, acclimatized to DRS, right? They were one of the teams who uh, I'm not sure if they even still believe in DRS. So uh, the point is the technology is still not 100% accurate. We have seen cases where the technology has missed a nick in a few cases or the LBW is uh, the ball tracker for that matter is completely uh, not in the way it has to be. There was a very uh, funny uh, video once, uh, I think it was a replay of ABWS facing Josh Hazelwood in West Indies in 2015, just after World Cup. Actually, ABWS was bowled, uh, Hazelwood, and then they showed the ball tag, and the ball tackle missed the stumps. So, uh, that's how, uh, hilarious that was. So, uh, that was one example of how the technology can be screwed up and it's not very, um, accurate at times. Having Now, if we assume that the technology is very good and like you said, it's uh, uh, we can see things in a few seconds and everything is accurate, then I'm all for it. We should use technology and use the umpires as little as possible because the aim is to actually eliminate any kind of mistakes and especially if it happens at a crucial stage. I think over the last two instances we've seen, World Cup and uh, now uh, in the Ashes, they're pretty crucial decisions, and it's come at a very, very key uh, moment in the match. And that's when people start realizing, oh, these rules need to be changed, these things need to be added. In fact, I think uh, ICC have even changed the umpires now for the fourth and fifth test, which is not, which does not happen very often. So, uh, I'm all for technology, provided that everything is foolproof
0: and uh, things are very fast. Naga, what's the perspective from the ICC, for example? So what Gaurav said is about umpires getting changed. ICC might have been pressurized. But we've got to think about the practical side of things here. There are 12 umpires in the elite panel. It's a time in cricket where seven of them come from two countries which play the Ashes. England and Australia contribute seven out of 12 members of the elite panel. And we have a requirement for all the umpires to be neutral, which leaves them with three sorry, five umpires to pick uh, for the three places, including the third umpire. What's the view from the ICC? Uh, they, they don't seem to have much choice with respect to umpiring appointments. And in general, with technology, they, they seem to be willing to experiment because there they seem to be uh, no balls, which we'll come to later. They seem to be trialing third umpires, adjudicating no balls in one days, is, isn't it?
1: So the point I want to make is like, uh, is technology itself proving to be infallible? Take the latest incident, which was the Ben Stokes one in the Ashes at Headingley. There was a huge furor about uh, Australia burning their uh, reviews, and Joel Wilson, the umpire on-field umpire, getting the decision apparently wrong in the first. That was the immediate, instant judgment made about the about the umpire, as well as Australia's use of reviews. Eventually, what turned out to be is that technology itself was not perfect. I say that as you would have noticed afterwards, replays clearly showed the ball from Nathan Leon had actually clipped the front pad of Ben Stokes before it hit his back leg which means that front flag was not picked by the predictive path and Stokes himself said that in the press conference didn't he he said that I can't believe DRS showed all three reds yeah, 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 yeah. he did
0: say that he yes. did say that but the ball uh, hitting the front pad was proven by the DRS in the sense that the the impact was shown to be on the front pad Stokes obviously had his doubts it's not like the DRS uh, didn't pick it up. It, it, it kind of felt like the impact or it was clearly visible that the front pad was shown as the point of impact.
1: But it didn't show it to be clipping. It, In fact, correct me if I'm wrong, when the graphic was shown, didn't it say original decision out, which was again wrong? It was, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah,
0: correct, correct. Yeah.
1: Yes. That's, so there, there's, you, you, you see that there's so many of these s- sort of uh, half things, half big things happening out over here. So, which means that technology itself is not proving to be a help in this instance, and this is a big thing. Because if it was showing, if if we go by your saying that DRS actually did show the ball clipping the front pad, which means it might not have been out at all, and Joel Wilson would have been actually his decision, original decision of not out would have stood and uh, would would have been upheld. So, uh, I guess. Technology is much better, much, much better. And we should actually talk about that, digging a little bit deeper into a little bit of numbers. Do you guys remember in 2011 World Cup, what was the frame speed of cameras? You mean when Said Ajmal hit uh, Tendulkar? Yeah, any, any, <laughs> when DRS was no. used in 2011. No, we don't, we don't, we don't. Take a I, guess. I, I don't. Or of either. No, I have no idea. Okay. It was about 50 to 75 frames per second. You know what it is now? I would guess
0: it's thrice as much
1: at least. No, it's about seven to eight times. It's 340 to 350 f- frames per second. Hmm. What does that mean? What this means is that the margin of error of the predictive path has become really, really minimal, very minimal to what it was a while ago. You know, Gaurav started by saying India was last to kind of adopt DRS and become like um, start trialing DRS at the end and etc., India had this doubt about drs because india didn't trust in Indian players didn't trust the predictive path at all, which was proven to be right and now but now, if you look at the, the numbers at play when I say three fifty frames a second, what this exactly means is that you have more coordinates, the camera that captures you have more coordinates, and you can stitch them together to create a path which is as accurate and as close to the real path the ball will take upon pitching. And that's why the accuracy of decisions or uh, decision-making has increased. So, yes, technology has improved, has become really, really good, but it is not definitive still.
0: The the other part, obviously, like I spoke about earlier, is on the no balls, which seem to be a much harder thing for the umpire to do. Because if a bowler is clocking 130, 140 clicks, he's running him, he needs to monitor I mean, as per the protocol, he needs to monitor whether he, it's a no-ball with the back foot, the side, and the front, and then he needs to look at the batsman, where he is, whether it's pitching in line, if it's an LBW, good luck to the umpire. There's so much that the umpire needs to track. Isn't there an argument that these the, the trials that the ICC is conducting, listeners, in case you've missed it, the ICC is conducting trials for no-balls to be adjudicated by the TV umpire. So they're going to see if it's fast enough to not delay proceedings more. Gaurav, it's, it's something that seems straightforward, but like Naga says, maybe the technical technology wasn't available. So it's about high time that the no-ball calls went to the third umpire, isn't it? He's he's best place to call those.
2: Absolutely. And before I even uh, respond to that, you you are an avid follower of football and you watch, you've seen uh, how VAR has kind of taken over uh, football uh, across the globe and it was used in the World Cup. And I think from whatever I have read, it was fairly successful. So
0: is VAR pretty similar to what uh, we're trying in cricket? I think the one big difference with VAR is the fact that it's initiated by the referee because football's played at a completely different pace and the dynamics of the game are so different. The one big criticism of VAR is something that we're talking about in cricket as well, whether it delays proceedings too much. But the one thing they've got completely spot on with VAR is the offside role. And in some ways, similar to the no-ball. Does the goal stand or not? Was the player offside? If he was offside, the So the goal becomes invalid, which is what no ball is. If it's a no ball, he's completely disqualified. The big difference, of course, like I said, is the fact that the referees, that there's a bunch of referees sitting with tons of TV camera angles and they are dictating play from wherever they're sitting at a remote location. The one thing which is, again, similar to cricket is with penalty calls, which is, again, a rough parallel to something like the LBW predictor. Because if the on-field referee hasn't made an error, a clear and obvious error, as they call it in football, if he's not made a clear and obvious error, it is unlikely that something like that will be overturned by the VAR. So lots of similarities, but uh, the howler, in in the sense, the offside rule, I would say football is at a slightly advanced stage than cricket and preventing those at this point. Maybe a lot of football fans might disagree because it disrupts the game. The stadium experience is kind of compromised because you celebrate a goal and then it's declared invalid and whatever else. But to my mind uh, it's it's a more foolproof system in the sense that the guys who are making the decisions are the referees, whose job it is to do, rather than players who have to Give it their best on the field and also keep track of decisions like or the wicket keeper or the non-striker in cricket is supposed to do. So that's one big difference that I see. Uh, a combination of VAR and DRS is to be the dream state in cricket in, in my mind. Yeah, so
2: you, you kind of hit uh, what I wanted to say. So uh, if the third umpire is actually going to give uh, no balls, I would like him to take all decisions. The, I want consistency, you know, that makes it, that makes sure that every single decision on, in a cricket match is correct. I think that's the objective rather than leaving it to the teams to choose their reviews. Some people waste time. Uh, Some people take reviews strategically. Some people have no idea. I don't think even the captains uh, are doing pretty well. I'm not sure of the exact success rate. I think it was the average success rate is about 35 to 40%. Uh, So that's pretty low. You would want um, most of your decisions to be correct. So, If the third umpire is going to use technology to call no balls, I would want him to call LBWs. I would want him to call catches. Catches is another major point of contention in uh, in cricket, especially uh, when uh, those slip catches. And most of the time, the soft signal is out based on the uh, player's uh, celebration. These are all really... Funny rules, according to me, which no other sport has. You can't go by some, uh, I think it was a World Cup final or one of the World Cup matches where the catch was taken near the boundary. There's no way, uh, the umpire could have actually seen whether the catch was clear or not, but he gave a soft signal purely based on the uh, celib- mood of the fielder. One, Shikhar Dhawan did not appeal and he was actually, he actually caught, caught it, caught but he didn't really celebrate. So the soft signal was not out and hence he didn't get a wicket. So my point is that the third umpire is going to do it. They need to do it for auditions, and irrespective of how much time it takes, technology can work towards speeding up that process rather than making sure that you have 50% the umpire, 50% with the players, and what so on and so forth.
0: Naga, that totally sounds like an ideal world which we would debate on Twitter and mention on social media, what? But it's. Far from practicable,
1: isn't it? Yeah, I beg to differ. I'm sorry. Uh, let's go back to DRS. DRS has not been did not was not brought in to give perfection. It was brought in to make improve the decision making, and which is what has proved the numbers before DRS. If you look at it, uh, and I've I've got some numbers uh, sourced out, and it they're like I think 93 percent decisions were correct pre DRS apparently. And post DRS, it's increased to ninety-eight percent. Now, which is a significant uh, sort of spike in decision making, and we can see that. Uh, as far as VAR goes, um, I've, a, I have to confess that I have not been following it extremely carefully as much as I followed DRS. But it cannot be used. You can't draw parallels between football and cricket. You cannot and more importantly vr is used the examples three you gave about offside rules penalties etc these are line decisions and that's why um, icc is trialing in the next 6 to 8 months or 9 months in different limited overs tournaments or series um the use of what do you say the third umpire adjudicating on no balls, which is good. And they want to do that because they want to take that away from the on field empire, take out that completely, that air uh, the sort of uh many disputable calls like that where umpires have not managed to kind of locate, uh, detect very, very blatant no-balls like ravi f- forgot to kind of spot Malankai and where was that in Bangalore. So yeah.
0: God, was kind of talking about an utopian state where the third umpire or third umpire a fourth umpire, is a fourth umpire as well inside kind of judges everything. But my question to you because you, you mentioned the WAR panels is whether cricket is ideologically opposed to the third umpire prompting or kind of directing the on-field guys to make a decision when there's a blatant error like you said and like we've discussed before these have happened in fairly high stakes high uh, uh, importance clashes throughout this year so in those situations, obviously, you can't make an exception that it has to be a rule. Is cricket ideologically opposed to having a guy from outside who's sitting remotely kind of intervene, a third umpire intervening?
1: No, I don't think it's a, anything got to do with ideology. It's nothing. I mean, otherwise, why would they have a third umpire, firstly? The third umpire started in 1990s and there was a huge UN cry at that point. I don't think... Uh, it's you at least would have been aware of that, but uh, because you must have been just a toddler, possibly. Uh, I, but when I've was, seen on YouTube, though, <laughs> right? No, I mean I don't think cricket is opposed to anything like that. The 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 role of third umpire has to be limited. You otherwise, what's the point of on-field umpires? And more importantly, what's the point then uh, if you leave everything to the third umpire to adjudicate On where do you draw the line? I think what Gaurav is
0: saying is the third umpire kind of brings in the DRS. Isn't that what you're saying? No,
2: I was exactly telling what uh, you just said. The fact that uh, third umpire will not judge anything without DRS. There won't be any review system as such, but the third umpire will take most of the calls to make sure that there are no mistakes.
1: Yeah, but that's time consuming. I mean, on many fronts, I disagree with that. It will like... Take like, and who, how does a third umpire desire? Why do you give him West all the, I mean, then he, then you are going to blame him for many errors. The best thing is like, maybe increase the number of reviews, possibly, maybe increase it to maybe have one more review, possibly. I don't know whether that will be, I mean, the main thing that administrators and umpires have, uh, well, from the time reviews have started, have debated upon, is to sh- shorten the sort of the time, time taken to the- devoted to per review. They want to f- increase the pace of the game. And that's why. The, and by kind of bringing in the third umpire and asking the third umpire to make more decisions, you're actually lessening the pace, isn't it? It's actually, you're going against that idea of increasing the pace of the game.
0: No, I, I agree with you, except that the, the one thing I keep having uh, pet peeve with cricket is that if you're having 100 fans watching a game, would they mind that a decision takes 10 more minutes or let's say worst case, it takes an hour more to finish the game as opposed to actually getting the decision right, which is what did not happen in the World Cup final with all due respect to umpires.
1: I mean, the World Cup final was more about a law being misread, isn't it? More than the DRS at play. Yeah.
0: So um, any, any example, let's take even the ashes.
1: Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, the sense, like, how many times does this happen? It won't be 10 minutes. It would be like, I mean, how many, how many do, how many examples? I mean, there could be many examples. Let's, let's say 10 decisions, 10 debatable decisions. And you're spending, like, at least 15 minutes on that. Isn't that like in 15 minutes, you can bowl, like, two, to three overs. You're wasting that much amount of time. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm I'm entirely not sure if that is the solution to eradicate what seems to be like one erroneous decision.
0: I also was looking at some numbers from recent times in terms of what percentage of DRS reviews from the captain end up being successful. It's not... Alarming, I would say. Uh, with, over the last three years since the new rules came in, 2017, the success rate of captains is roughly, and batsmen, of course, just combined for fielding and batting sides is roughly 26%. So one in four decisions that are reviewed by teams end up being overturned, which is not a bad rate. You're eliminating a fair degree of decisions. In 2019, it feels like we're living in a year where it's spiked up. It could turn out to be an outlier in the future. Roughly 32% of decisions in test cricket have been reversed after a captain reviewed it. Now, what Naga is saying is a viable solution. But again, if you give teams more than two reviews, let's assume that we're not living in an ideal world that you just described. Giving teams more than two reviews, or if you go back to the old rule of resetting reviews after 80 overs in a test match, do you think that will solve the problem to some degree?
2: I'm not sure if any of these things are even related to the number of reviews. So, number of reviews, some some captains, so obviously one review is usually used by the most important batsmen, and some are kept for the real uh, big howlers. Uh, Nowadays, even edges are not being seen uh, pretty regularly by the Umpires, so many LBWs have been overturned because it was inside edge, but the umpire didn't see. So I don't think the number of reviews, again, if you're increasing the number of reviews, it's going to take that much more time because now you have, you retain the review if you, if it's umpire's call. Again, that is a very, uh, uh, gray area according to me. So because of that, because you retain the review, you already have more than two reviews technically. You can afford to take a chance at a few close calls because you anyway keep your review. So that's also going to slow down the game. So we're not really solving the problem of uh, making the game fast uh, by having more reviews. So uh, I, I'm not for that, especially uh, having more reviews. And also uh, what Naga said, is I totally agree with him. It's going to slow down the game, etc. But I, I, I'm thinking maybe technology can improve that. Maybe they can give it real time and people can work towards, uh, it may not happen immediately, but they can build, build towards doing something on that aspect rather than, uh, trying to add the number of reviews because even the players are taking a chance. You are, you speak to most captains, uh, you read about whatever captains have said, most people just trust the bowler or they just go by that feel. There's no clear logic to uh, the fact when they go for a review unless a batsman is very sure that he has hit the ball. So only in those cases, it's like pretty sure. But most of the fielding reviews are like, let's take a chance and I'm not too sure. And sometimes it works and sometimes it just doesn't. So, I don't know. I, I think if you if you think that the game is going to slow down, then I don't think this will ever move forward.
1: I just want to kind of add something. When I said that I wanted to increase the reviews, it's 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 a uh, what I actually meant was not just in test cricket. Test cricket, I think, two reviews per innings but, uh, for for overs is good enough. I think in limited overs cricket, you need more than one review for the players to kind of then captains to make the right kind of calls because there is pressure sometimes on the captains. If with just one review, they can just goof up and possibly in limited overs cricket, there is potential to increase uh, the number of reviews to maybe two. I think the administrators should think about it, the cricket committee especially. Uh, I think right now, I think I did ask the question to the ICC manager of cricket, Jeff Allardyce, and he said that right now they don't think they want to, uh, but in future there could be a possibility, and I feel that these guys should be open about it and maybe also look at what the captains and coaches think themselves.
0: So, I, I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, this snowball trial that is happening.
1: Yeah, put us in a little bit more on
0: that. Is it a part of ICC's wider efforts to see if technology can be fast enough for a, a, a sort of instant intervention by the third umpire? Is that the direction in which the ICC are thinking?
1: Yeah, they. I think the basic premise is to kind of remove what seems to be one of the most basic line calls, which. The on-field umpires used to adjudicate properly upon, but now with the, the, the sort of, uh, how do you say, uh, magnified focus, uh, due to cameras from every angle on the on-field umpires, the decision making, I think the on-field umpire has started ignoring, not ignoring as much as not paying that much attention to the front foot no ball. And which is a very big part, which plays a big role in any sort of reviews, etc. What the ICC did carry out a trial, if you remember, in 2016, but discontinued because of various reasons and one of them was manually being operated and the operator could have missed something. But now what they're trying to do is they have dedicated the TV Empire gets the graphic and the graphic is frozen at the point where the front foot lands. And They have calculated that they can kind of, if the TV empire starts with more and more exposure and practice, if the TV empire can start to kind of make that call within, if if it is a no ball, he can, he or she can make that call within about anywhere between five to seven seconds. It happened in 2016. It was a very in depth sort of, it, not trials as such. It was an in depth study of done by a set of engineers, uh, from MIT, which studied individually all the technologies that I see being used in cricket for review systems. Okay. Just not Hawkeye, but Virtual Eye, Hawkeye, Hot spot, Hotspot, everything. everything. Yeah. They studied individually too. And it's only after that, once they kind of, uh, Finished the trials, etc. The umpire's call was improvised. You know the the, the sort of now what do you call it? More than fifty percent of the ball hitting, say? blah blah. Yeah. You know that right? The the intricacies of that. It's and they they did they they came to that conclusion only because they found that the error the margin of error was very very highly minimal. But I feel that maybe sooner or later the ICC and the cricket committee and the administrators individual boards. Need to look at whether to to kind of do away with the umpires call because the more the margin of error reduces as technology advances, especially the cameras the frame rates increases and the the predictive path becomes more and more accurate as close as possible to accurate, then I guess you can just do away with the umpire's call. what do you guys think
0: yeah, I think the lVw decision itself is a really really sort of unique dismissal which is not there in any I mean, it's, it's sort of a really rare kind of way to get out, uh, in the sense that the dismissal itself is hypothetical because the ball kind of hits the batsman or is bad and we don't know what's going to happen, which is what you're talking about now. Right? In a sense, if you're getting to a point where the accuracy is so high that you don't need to speculate whether half, half the ball would have hit the stumps, because even if 1% of the ball hits the stump enough to dislodge the bails, practically that is out. And if the technology can Show that if, if, if technology is good enough or fast enough to record that and say that it would have conclusively hit the stumps even if it's just a little seam of the ball or just one part of the ball hitting it, then nothing like it. That's, that's close to an ideal world to
1: it. Just, just remove that. I mean, it becomes very really frustrating when just bit of the ball is kind of brushing the stumps and it's being given nut out by the umpire. And then you feel that if the ball is hitting the stumps, it should just be out. I mean, that's what the commentators always complain, isn't it? They moan about. I think, (laughs) hence, I feel that it's high time we start thinking of that. And maybe decision-making will improve much more and the pressure will be reduced on the umpire. I mean, there's immense pressure on umpire, so which is another thing I think we started off by. Your first question was that, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it? like? uh, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think the pressures on umpires are immense the conditions the i mean talk about conditions did you talking about conditions uh, like i pointed out yesterday to you did you guys happen to play the the what was that game on the london times be the umpire work?
0: or be yeah. the umpire
1: yeah did you play that gaurav he's talking
0: about the one on the times the uh, uk the london times website gaurav, where no you I, didn't, I didn't empire. play that i didn't play you, that yeah so yeah. gaurav and you listener, you should play the game. The three levels of umpires, you can be either a club umpire or you can be a domestic umpire or an international umpire. They've simulated a series of scenarios which actual umpires need to decide on. There might be a straightforward LBW decision where the batsman doesn't play a shot or there might be the 140k fast bowler bowling into the batsman. There are a series of LBW decisions. Now they're caught behind decisions as well. I think it's just LBW, isn't it?
1: I mean, there's, it's LBW. I mean, there's sort of, uh, the levels were like amazing. I don't know what was your score, but uh, I was sent back to the village green. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think, I think it was slightly better. The mid, the intermediate was where I finished at
1: actually i did well in the higher the like in the tests and ashes i did well my scores were better off compared to at the lower level not to boast about but yeah it is quite interesting that we know and here we know all the coordinates we know all the conditions the guy is telling me over the wicket and you have five seconds and etc but how many factors do you notice that you have to uh, figure out where it's pitching, whether it is hitting impact and line or not, whether the bounce no is true clapper. or not.
0: First of all, there's not forty thousand people shouting
1: in and yes, yes, all of yes. That. I mean that's a good point you raise. In fact, I was speaking to one of the Indian empires and the bio was saying that, and the, uh, we can't name people obviously, but the guy was saying that look, when we when we are Standing in in India, the pressure is too high on us. It's from the players and from the crowd. And matches like IPL, it's really immense. But when I stand in outside overseas, suddenly I don't feel that pressure, and my accuracy of decision making is in the high nineties, which is not exactly the case. I mean, he's saying that my the guy gave me a number like around close to ninety nine was his accuracy in decision making overseas but when it came to India, it dips to like in the early 90s, he's saying. And he says that the pressure is really high. So you've got to understand that. And similarly, like, I mean, to, for Joel Wilson, he's done, what, 13 or 14 tests before doing this ashes. And we obviously can um, hold him up for not being accurate. But at the same time, the conditions in Headingley, at least on the first day or two, were like really, really bad. And how do you kind of, fact, you need to factor in all that, the swing, the bounce, uh, it's not a flat wicket. If it's a flat wicket, at least the bounce is true. You can understand the ball's not going to go, just at a certain height it will go. But when the bounce is different, when the swing is really exaggerated or if the spin is too much, uh, how do you kind of really and make that decision in a matter of a second or two? So, or not even that in a fraction of a second rather. So how do you do that? Of course, people will say that they're highly trained, but they're highly trained, but it's impossible. That's why only, there are only 12 elite panel umpires. It's such a difficult job. It is such a difficult job. I'm not taking, I'm not, <laughs> people might think that I'm speaking for the ICC, but no, I mean, they, they, they're investing a lot of money and time in improvement of decision making and we need to support that. I have
0: two things to add to the listener who, who might not, somebody of my age, somebody who's not seen the footage, if you're worried about or if you've been outraging about umpiring in 2019. You should, you should ask Mike Gatting, who happens to be part of the MCC, or just go to YouTube and check out a number of videos of uh, umpiring. You can, add, you can add the swear word of choice <laughs> before it, and you'll get videos of of uh, umpires who were not neutral, who were uh, part of the host country where the match is being held. There have been some atrocious and ridiculous decisions for LBW and caught behind you, and... And in in some games, I think bowlers stopped caring or stopped appealing because they knew so clearly that the umpire belonged to the home board and you would not give it out at all. So that's one part of it. The second part is obviously the Times game that we mentioned. I will try to leave a link in the show notes, but it's an Ask the Umpire game which you should find on Google. So those are the two things I wanted to add. What I remember something about what Shainan was saying was, uh,
2: both Kumbhle's tenfer and uh, uh, the Kolkata the follow-on test between India and Australia I think in both cases the moment Kumbhle or the spinner used to turn before he could appeal the finger was raised so I just remembered uh, AV prakash
0: <laughs> So uh, I will come back to the point that Naga made about the Indian umpire umpiring in foreign conditions is that a contributing factor because we spoke about the elite panel earlier I did mention there are 12 elite panel umpires Joel I think is the only one from the Caribbean there are there's alinda from Pakistan, there is Kumar Dharmasena from Sri Lanka, and Maria Erasmus of course from South Africa, and uh Chris Gaffney who is part of the Ashes. So these So he's from New Zealand. So these are the only five umpires who are from outside of England and Australia. The two conditions that you mentioned, Naga, are relatively easier places to umpire. What do you explain to this queue of umpires from only two countries in, in a panel filled with 12 umpires? The reason this becomes an issue is that they cannot umpire in games featuring England and Australia. And whenever these teams play elsewhere, they cannot be part of the panel, which leaves only five to seven umpires eligible out of the twelve to even be part of it, which is kind of affected uh, in the World Cup final because some of the best umpires are from England and England were in the final,
1: yeah, but apparently the issue of doing away with neutral umpires has been discussed within the umpire's panels itself and they themselves feel that they don't want to uh get rid of that apparently they because just for the fact that in case they do stand in the home games and in case someone blames them of by being a biased or a cheat they don't want to be called that it's,
0: it's the only worse thing than actually getting a decision wrong which is being yeah. accused of nationalistic yeah. bias or whatever
1: yeah, and hence they, they, they don't want it. They're very strongly against it. Now, as far as the shortage of elite panel, etc., yeah, I do agree with that. I have asked this question many times to ICC, but uh, to get into the elite panel, you need to have qualify, you need to be highly qualified and, and be really, really good. Uh, also what the ICC has done recently, I don't think many people would have given much thought to is in last year, they moved on from, they knocked off uh, the, there used to be something called the emerging panel of test empires and emerging panel of ODI empires. Now they, they, instead of that, they, cr- they have created something called the international panel of umpires to increase the pool of umpires that can stand in various international games, uh, irrespective of whether it is a test or an ODI or a T20. And by doing this, what they've done is they've increased the pool and their are, their aim is to give more exposure and fast track the better quality umpires and hopefully in the next few years there will be more elite panel umpires that's what their aim is and we just have to hope that some of the better umpires from outside of england and australia uh, do emerge to kind of lighten the workload on some of the senior umpires like what we are seeing i mean the workload factor i mean look at Alim Dar, I mean, he was standing in the World Cup, and then immediately after that, he had to stand in the test match, I think, uh, the Ireland test match, well, am I right? Mm. So he has had no break, so clearly an s- umpire who you, who was once known for to be one of the best, and no more he is, he's, it seems it's, it's baffling, but also the workload is also there, and so we need to kind of give them that sort of, we need to sympathize with the umpires also, sometimes they do get it wrong, but all of us do get it wrong, and, and every every ball every decision you make is seen through a microscope it is a little difficult to kind of um, to perform at the highest I mean to perform at the level that that yeah. everyone every, the rest of the world would want you to perform at
0: yeah I, I think it's a it's an aspect that's not spoken about because the officials are at a different stage to that of the players their workload that you mentioned are about one Last point that I wanted to speak about, which I again mentioned in passing earlier, is that this onus being on players. Like I am thinking of a Tim Payne who's standing right behind Stokes. He only has a vague idea in terms of where the ball is hitting Stokes. He, I mean, obviously he didn't have a review. But just the previous over, they made a horrible decision to review something that was miles outside the leg stump. That sort of decision is easier to make, but very often it's it's a question of very, very fine margins and players are asked to decide because there's 11 of them on the field. They're asked to decide whether they should go for a review or not. This onus being on the players in such high pressure situations, we've spoken about crowds and all the other things at stake and the various pressure factors that come into an international game. It seems unfair to put it on them too, in the sense that we're not heading towards a solution here. But at least this this whole pressure element in players, which we really should not put them under, isn't it? Absolutely. But what else will you do? Is
2: there any other alternative? Uh, I don't think so, because (laughs) uh, you get better at it. And it's a a tricky question. To be honest, I really don't know what... uh, uh, solution is there for that. People need to, it's a skill and some people are smart enough to do it. I think even I thought Bunga is one of the smartest uh, and uh, very intelligent bowlers. He is definitely, but even he got his hat-trick review wrong because uh, he assumed that uh, uh, the uh, it took an aid. So these are slightly tricky uh, decisions and and obviously, we are seeing a lot on the television and a lot of things uh, seem out to us. And then we see the review, it misses, and we feel that we are right and they are wrong. But maybe it's the bounds, it's the uh, it's the angle in which they're bowling, and the impact sometimes is very uh, tight. So I think you can't ask any more from the players because most people will go by that field. Um, and most bowlers will feel that every single decision is out.
0: So, I don't have an uh, answer to your question. Thing, no, the, the only thing you can say is that, uh, it's a level playing field.
1: Gorov said it's a skill. I think it's more a question of being judicious. And, uh, sorry, Sri, I do not agree with you that the players are under pressure to kind of, uh, to uh, sort of call for the reviews. What the players need to understand. I think that's why only if, Captains usually have become better at it now. So uh, even Kohli has now become slightly much better than oh, he was very eager at one point of time. But when when you have a guy like Dhoni, I think it's a responsibility of the wicketkeeper uh, most of the times uh, to be very very strong in whether he feels because he is the best person to judge all all the factors from the bounce to where it is pitching the line the length I mean, so the, he he is in the best position more in, in fact even better than the bowler and the bowler sometimes might be inclined to kind of go for the review but the keeper has to be like because his head is stable, he's watching everything other than the batsman, he knows what is going to happen, so he needs to take that call and be firm about it and then relay that to the captain. Sometimes the captains will overrule that, that but then most of the times they listen to the keeper, that's why they look to the keeper. So that's, it's the keeper's responsibility, I definitely feel that that will not change. As far as the pressure on the players, I don't think it's a pressure on the players, but what is happening is also the pressure, sometimes the players are kind of of get, mm, not carried away, but get in Influenced by the quality of umpiring, you know, if the quality of umpiring is weaker, then the then the captain though then the captain feels that maybe we should take a chance because the captain doesn't trust the umpire. I and mean, when the trust is not there, the, the they're willing to take a chance because of the, um, if the if the umpire has made like let's say, for example, uh, who was the umpire in that first test at uh Wilson only, right? Who had the record number? Wilson of was
0: part of the first test. Yeah,
1: joint record for well, it was the him only, right? Eight of his.
2: Yeah, 8 or 12 of uh, his decisions. Yeah, 8
1: of his decisions were overturned or something for a record or something. So, suddenly if that happens in the first test match of a big series, the captain suddenly thinks, uh, I'm not sure if the umpire's made, even if he's given him not out. I'm going to go for it because who knows, it might just turn out to be the opposite. So, yes, that kind of pressure is there um, and hence, the responsibility lies on both the umpires as well as the captains to figure out and find the balance, to kind of over a period of time, you do get that, um, and you do hope that the empires don't, uh, you do hope that empires get it more right than wrong.
0: Okay, oh, One last question to you to close out the episode now. Uh, assuming it's, it's a hypothetical scenario that of raised, assuming the technology becomes fast enough for the ICC to feel that it's not delaying proceedings, do you feel we'll get closer to, I mean obviously we're getting trying to get closer to 100% correct decisions. Do you feel like we'll get closer to making more of these big decisions right in the sense that third empire at some point gets to interrupt and uh, influence these decisions? And secondly, it's the 2023 World Cup final and there's a no-ball call that's deciding the game. Do you see that no-ball issue being eradicated by that time?
1: Yeah, I'll come to the last one. <laughs> it better be eradicated. Otherwise, 100,000 people are going to be um, <laughs> choking what the India? And match <laughs> officials. But I think that will be fine. Uh, but the no-ball should be eradicated. Um, and it is an earnest drive from the ICC and the home boards. They're trying to kind of implement this, which is good enough. Um, as far as the future of how technology and Human umpiring can move forward and make decisions as accurate as possible. The thing is, one thing to keep in mind, which will never go is like, umpiring is so much of confidence thing. So umpires have to become confident. It's also a form thing. So umpires have to like follow to kind of quote Simon Taufel, you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared, well prepared before you walk into the ground. And if you're well-prepared, then your decision-making will be more confident. So, and I I totally agree with uh, Toffle on that. Uh, And he was, that's why, consistently good. The other thing to keep in mind is technology cannot be superseding the human element. Uh, Everyone wants man to be as good as technology. But when you have variable, difficult, challenging ground conditions, weather conditions, Technology will always have the upper hand and it will prevail over the human. But at the same time, if I think what someone told me is like, umpires should not be bothered by technology. If technology can cure their mistakes, they should just accept it and move on. It's very difficult to accept a mistake. None of us will accept it. We'll kick and scream and just moan about it. uh, And imagine that if, 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 if you are, if your mistake is being glorified in front of, Uh, thousands of people in the ground and many more thousands across the world. How do you feel like you have to go back? I mean, how do you feel? It's really difficult, but the umpires have to sort of modern umpires need to kind of be a little bit more thick skinned. Um, But I think umpiring is not as bad as it is made to be or as bad as it well, it sounds, uh, it can of course always become better tech- as, as will technology will become better and I think decision making will become better.
0: It certainly is a tough job, a much tougher job than hosting a podcast or talking about it for 45 minutes. Much tougher than scrutinizing their every move and being keyboard warriors that we all are from time to time. But that's how it goes. We are the fans. They are the men in the middle. Let's hope the ICC keep up their efforts to to use the best of technology and experiment with enabling and empowering third umpires to make more decisions. And may every no-ball be called and no games be decided on the most basic of line calls. That's about all we have time for. Let us know your thoughts by tweeting to us at ESPN Info. Thanks, Naga and Gora, for your time on the podcast. Thanks as always.
1: Thanks, Srinath. Thanks a lot for this.
0: Thank you. And thanks to you, listener. Stump Mike is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Cast, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Do all the good things you do. It helps more people find the podcast. Until next time then, it's goodbye from all of us at ASP trick cricket Co. Take care.